Ketubot Taf Peh. The last thing we're discussing was the Mishnah said if a person spend money on the land his wife brought into a marriage, it's her, Nixemi Loga belongs to her, but he spent money on it, even if he ate very little, and we ended up explaining that even that little is even a dried fig, even if it's a bunch of dates that are smaller than a fig, whatever he ate, at that point he doesn't get anything anymore, and whatever he spent, he spent, whatever he ate, he ate. If he spent money and he didn't get to eat anything, then he swears on how much money he put into it, and she has to give him back that money. And with that, we're starting Pamud Aleph, first line in, last word on the first line, where it says, Ba'e, Ba'e Rav Bebai, de Tamre, if the husband ate the leftover of the crushed dates after they made uh, uh, some date drink, my, what's the halacha? Is that uh, considered he ate something or that's not considered a something? And the Gemara says, we don't know. Take off. We don't know how to look at it. We're not sure what that leftover is. Is it considered garbage or is it considered date? And the Gemara tries to understand it. Let's say he didn't eat a derech kavod. He ate, but it wasn't out of kavod. Not in an honorable way. So what would be the halakha? So Amar Ula, Plige, Batere, Amorae, Bimarava, in Eretz Israel in the West, two rabbis, two Amoraim argued, Had Amar, Bech Isar, one said the Shi'ur is, if he ate the size of an Isar coin, that's considered eating, Had Amar, it's Bech Dinar, if he ate a Dinar size. And Amre, Dayane, De Pumpadita, the Dayanim of Pumpadita, which is Rav Papa Bar Shmuel, this is a Gemara in Sanhedrin Yudzain that explains that Rav Papa Bashmuel. Abad Rav Yehuda, Uvda Bechabile Zemorot. Rav Yehuda was actually posek alachale ma'aseh in regards to uh, pieces of wood, vines that a man took and gave to his animal to eat. And then he divorced his wife and Rav Yehuda held that these pieces of wood that he ate was uh, fruits and whatever he ate, he ate and she can't uh, make any claims. And Rav Yehuda, Litamein Rav Yehuda, he goes by his deen, his reasoning in other places. The Amar Yehuda, said in regards to a person who ate from a land, if he had his animal eat wood or he used the wood for firewood, whatever it is, he used the wood of Orla, or he used it during a Shemitah where everything is hefker, or or he used wood that is kilayim and the Tosfot explains that it started out normal and then it uh, and then it mixed in with another plant. That's what makes it mutar because otherwise the word of kilayim is also asur. So if he ate it in one of these type of situations three years in a row, harezo hazaka. It is part of the three year hazaka. Now he could say that I own this land. So even if he lost his uh, document stating that he owns the land, he could say, listen, I've been here for three, four years. No one said a word to me and it's mine. And what's the proof? I kill him, I shivayit, I orla. Bottom line is we see that eating wood is considered fruits. And Amar Biyakov, Amar of Hasda, Motsiot Saot, Anixei Ishtoketana. If a person spent money on uh, a land that his wife brought into marriage, and but she's a Ketana, and we're talking about a situation where her father passed away, her brother and mother married her off. This person's only Kiddushin in the Rabbanan. And uh, therefore, Hachamim said that if he spent money on her assets, and then she did mi'un, it's exactly like spending on someone else's land. Let's say someone went on a vacation, you spent money to help out his land. He gets paid like a regular sharecropper. But not exactly, because here if there's any pirot, he gets all of it. 
And my ta'ama, why do hachamim hold like that? Why don't they say that he gets to, whatever he spent, he spent, whatever he ate, he ate. Why don't they say the same thing? So the Gemara explains, Abdu kanta Hachamim So this way, the husband doesn't ruin it on the other hand. Meaning, if he knows she's a mi'un away from making this marriage uh, not exist, then he's not going to take care of her land. So hachamim want to be metakein the land, so at least they'll pay him like an aris for whatever he put in, so this way he'll help the land. And the Gemara says the story, this woman, that 400 zuzim fell to her as a gift, as an inheritance, in a place called Hozai, it was far from where she lived. Azil Gavra, her husband went there, to get the money, but I guess gas cost a lot of money back then, and Apek Shitmi, he spent 600 zuz just to get there. And he brought with him 400. Once he was on his way back from Behuzai, he needed one zuz. He needed it for something. How you took from one of those 400 zuz? He came in front of Rabbi Ami to find out as he got his 600 zuz that he spent. Rabbi Ami told him, Whatever you spent, you spent. Whatever you ate, you ate. Meaning, there's nothing much we can do. That's when he actually ate fruits. Here he's eating from the, the, the principal, from the main point. And he spent money over here. He spent 600 on the principal. Like my experience in Ken, so Rabbi Ami responds to Rabbanan, if that's the case, that he ate only from the principal, it becomes a situation where he spent money and he didn't get to eat anything from the fruits. He should should swear on how much he spent, the 600, and then he could take, and Rashi explains, he could take whatever he spent up until uh, the, the profits. And what exactly is the prophet? Is the machloket? Uh, Ritva says there is no prophet. The, the Rosh says we see what these uh, 400 zoos are really worth over there. Maybe they're worth more. And the Rosh says really it's all prophet because uh, if the husband hadn't gone, they wouldn't have gotten anything. That's an interesting machloket we him to get into. Now we learned the Mishnah. If a person spent money and didn't eat anything, he should swear how much he spent and he could take that. And that's if there's enhancement corresponding to his expense. Meaning, whatever he spent, that's how much he made. And they might ask, what does that mean? What is Rav trying to say? Meaning, is he trying to say that if there's more enhancement, more profit than the amount he spent, then he doesn't have to swear? Or is he trying to say that he only takes his profit only when it's the exact same as his expense. But if uh, there's less profit than that, then he doesn't take anything even if he swears. So Amar Abaye, what Rav was trying to say, he was trying to be lenient. There's more enhancement than what he spent. So let's say he spent five, but he made uh, 12 altogether. That means uh, he made seven. Great. Then he takes whatever he spent without uh, swearing. If so, he's going to deceive. Meaning he could always say that he spent less, a little bit less than the value of how much uh, it, the enhancement was. And therefore he's going to get uh, the exact amount without having to swear. 
Rather, what was Rav Asi trying to say? He was trying to be machmir. If he spent more money than what they made in the profit, then then he has a right to claim uh, the expense only up to the amount of the enhancement, but with a swear. So now the Gemara asks a question. A husband who told sharecroppers to go work at his wife's uh, property instead of him. Ma, what's the halacha? The, the, do the arisim, do the sharecroppers, where they get uh, whatever they spent on the land? They worked over there. Do they get, from the, do they get their money at the end of the year? Do they get to whatever they worked for? Do they get it from the husband or from the wife? Do we say that he went down to work because the husband hired him? If the husband is not there anymore, therefore they don't get anything. Then they also walk out with nothing. Or maybe they went to go work the land. And in general, land stands to be worked by a sharecropper. Therefore, they get from the woman. Now the Gemara has a problem with that question because I understand your question. What's the difference between this case where the husband hired these men to come and work over here as sharecroppers? He leaves, they take over. What's the difference between that case and a person who goes to his neighbor starts planting over there without permission? And the, the halacha is shamin lo viado ala tahtona. We assess whatever he spent. We does he, did he make more profit? Did he make more expense? And he's always going to get the least amount. So at least give them the least amount. So the Gemara explains over there. In that case, that land is empty. No one is working over there. They're not instead of anyone. They, the person just walks into his neighbor's yard while he's on vacation, and he plants over there. And therefore, listen, you were not supposed to be here, so he'll only get the lesser value. However, over here, over here, there's a husband who's supposed to be working for this land, and once he walks out, they're supposed to walk out with him. They're only there as long as he's there. Meaning, if there's a divorce or a death, just walk out. That's it. So, bottom line, what's the halacha? So, we check. If the husband himself is a sharecropper, then he knows what's involved of in here, and he knows to do the work, and therefore, if he leaves, then they leave also, because the woman could always claim he was supposed to do the work, and if you don't do the work, he's supposed to do the work, and therefore, you're in his stead. However, if he's a regular guy who doesn't know anything about farming, then they were supposed to hire sharecroppers anyways, and they're really doing her work. And then they would get full price. So now, a husband who sold his rights to the fruits of his wife's land. What's the halacha of there? Is he allowed to do that or not? Meaning, the husband has a right to eat the fruits over there. Uh, he sold those rights to someone else to come and eat it. Is he allowed to do that or not? Miamrina, do we say, whatever he acquires, he's acquiring to the other person. And therefore, he could do that. Or maybe, when Hachamim said the husband has a right to get those fruits, that's the gain of the house. The more food that's available in the house, the more you bring home. Okay, great. But, but uh, to sell it to other people and to make more money that way, no, he never got a right to do that. So Yehuda, more bar mere more, Mishemed Rabba Amar, Masha Asasui, whatever he did, he did. 
Meaning, if he sold it, he sold it. His sale is not a sale, he didn't do anything. And Amar Papa, had Yehuda more bar more, what he said in the name of Rabbah, that he didn't do anything, he never actually said it. He, some story happened and we understood it, we inferred it. There was a story with this woman. She brought into, into the marriage, she brought into her husband two maidservants, they belonged to her. The husband went and married another woman. And Aila Hadaminai, and he sent her one of those uh, maidservants that belonged to his first wife. She came to Rabbah, she yelled, Rabbah didn't care, he didn't do anything for her. Now, whoever saw this Savar Mishum, this Savar Mashasasui, everyone thought it was because whatever he did, he did it. So, he sold it, he could sell it. It's not true. It's Mishum Revach Beta. The reason he's not allowed to sell because he has to help the house. Now, when he sends this maid servant to the other woman, it's also karavah. The house is being helped. You have more uh, people being helped over here. Therefore, it, it, he was allowed to send that maid to the second wife. A husband who sold land that this way someone else could eat the fruits, he didn't do anything. That's the reason. If we're scared, the buyer is going to ruin the land. He's not going to take care of it uh, the way he's supposed to. The idea is, we Hachamim are worried also for the woman's benefit, and we want her to have some of the fruit also. Now, my benai, what's the difference between Abaya and Rabba? The difference would be, is A, uh, a land that is close to the city. We're not worried that someone's going to ruin that land because uh, the husband's going to pass by every day. He's going to make sure that that buyer is taking care of that land. But according to Rabat, she's not getting any of the fruits. It's a problem. Inami or B. Baal Arisu, if the husband himself is the sharecropper, he's working for the buyer. Okay, he's going to make sure there's nothing wrong with the land. But at the end of the day, the woman's not going to get anything. If the money he's getting from the buyer, he's going to do work, he's going to make money, and he's going to help the house, that's okay. But the problem is the land might uh, get ruined. And that's the three differences, the practical differences that would be between Abaye and Rabbah. Next Mishnah. Shomeret Yabam. A woman, a husband died, or her meoras uh, died. After her husband died, she got inheritance, she got a gift, but and there's no Yibum yet. They both agree. They both agree that she could sell that land, she could give it as a gift, she could give all that money, whatever she wants, and it stands. And the difference is because when a woman's engaged to a, to a man, it's a stronger connection than that of a Shomer Yabam. The Meiri Tosfor explained the difference would be uh, by Shomerti Abam, if she went with another man, it's only a Isur love. But uh, Arusa went with another man, there's already Isur Sakila. So there, there you could see that there's a much stronger connection between Arusa than a Shomerti Abam. And that's why if the Shomerti Abam sold, then it's considered a sale. Meta, if she passes away, my what, what do they do with her Ketubah money? Who's going to inherit that? And, and all the assets that come into the marriage with her. The, the, the principle belongs to the woman. 
we have a safek here, we're not sure. And therefore, the uh, the inheritors of the husband, the inheritors of the father, her father, there's a safek here, so they're going to split it. Now, everything, every asset is wherever it is. And the ktuba, money, the mane, the mataim, that's by the inheritors of the husband. And they stay over there. And any asset that comes in with her, like a dowry, that's that stays by her father. Now, let's discuss this Yibum uh, situation. When uh, when Shimon is Me'abim Reuven's wife, she's his wife to everything except one thing. He doesn't have to write her up in Uktuba. The Uktuba goes by what his brother who passed away wrote. And all of Reuven's assets are connected to the, that ktuba, even though Shimon's not married to her. And therefore, if the brother who passed away left money, and that's connected to her ktuba, we buy land, and the Yabam can eat the fruits of that land. Now, if he died, and, and left the uh, fruits that are disconnected from the ground, you would sell those fruits, buy land, and he could eat the fruits of that land. If they're still connected to the ground, you have an apples on the tree. said, Shamin Otan, we assess this land. What's it worth with or without fruits? The difference. You buy land that. Let him eat the fruits. Fruits that are still connected to the ground, they're, they're connected to the ground, they're his. But if they're disconnected from the ground, whoever grabs them first, it's theirs. If he grabbed them first, the Yabam, then it's his. They're completely his. If she grabbed it first, okay. then you, you sell those fruits, you buy land with that money, and you can eat the fruits. The Yabam was now with the Yabama. She's now his wife to everything. As long as her Ktuba goes on her husband, original husband's assets, the older brother who passed away. The Yabam cannot tell the, the Yabama, you can never tell her that your Ktuba is on the table. Meaning, here's the cash value. This is yours, and let me sell everything else. Any asset that he inherited from his brother, it's connected to her ktuba, therefore he cannot sell anything. The same thing with any other woman. A man can't tell his wife, yeah, here's the money of your ktuba on the table, and I'm going to sell everything else. All of a person's assets are connected to her ktuba. They're responsible for her ktuba. Gersha. The Yabam and the Yabama got married. Now he divorced her. And la ela She only has the ktuba, and then he could sell whatever he wants. She could get her ktuba, and that's it. It's like any other woman. They come back to their original husband. She only has a ktuba, and she has no connection to her uh, first husband's assets. The Gemara starts. Shomeret Yabam Shemeta Mikovra. Shomeret Yabam. She's in that stage. She, uh, her husband just passed away. Uh, she didn't get the Yibum yet. Who, uh, she passes away. Who has to bury her? Usually, the husband has to bury his wife. Why? Because uh, he's Yoresh or Ktuba. Because if she passes away, he gets the Ktuba money. Fine. The, 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 the deal is that he also has to bury her. 
here he passed away. So here's a question. Do we say the inheritors of the husband, they're the ones who are responsible for burying her because they get the ketubah money? Or maybe the Yorshim of her father have to bury her because they get back their, the money that they gave for the dowry. All that land, all that uh, money, whatever it is, since they get it back, okay, then you have to bury her. What would be the halacha? And although we're in the middle of the question, we'll stop right here. Baruch Hashem, Amen, Amen.